sent that word that you have put in his mouth for me. Let it come to me. Say, Lord, send Pastor Banky to me. In Jesus' name, we pray. Father, we thank you for the wisdom to come to your presence. We thank you because we have come to the place of sanctification. The tool you have provided for our sanctification is your word. And the Lord Jesus Christ prayed that, that you, you should sanctify us with the truth and your word is the truth. We thank you for taking away every reproach from our lives. Even as the word comes down, we thank you for washing us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are we ready? Okay. One, two, let's go. I declare the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and pleasing Him in all respects, and bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 And then I say it again, that is what the Lord will do for you today in Jesus' name. Amen. It will happen that the word will enter your heart afresh to give you light, to give you understanding, to give you illumination, direction to make the right decisions. That's what you will receive today in the name of Jesus. Remember, all we pay is what? Attention. Attention. As you are giving the word attention this evening. At the end of today, something new will have happened in your life again. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And remember, healing power is always coming forth. Amen. Virtue for healing is always coming forth. Amen. You will be healed of diseases you did not even know you had. Amen. And the ones you know you had, they will be healed also. Amen. No matter where you are watching us from, you might be streaming online, MixLR, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever it is, or even listening to this long after now. That same healing power is flowing into your life in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Okay, we will continue teaching again in the light um, of what we have been discussing about powerful wealth. And um, if you can lay your hands on the book, Grace to Prosper, sometimes we send emails to ask that they've been to our website and it's not there. Yes, it is not there. Okay, let's just be like that. It is not there. <laughs> uh, the story is a long story. Why it's not there? It's not a very long story. Just that we haven't put it there. It takes a while to... It's one of our older books, so it takes a lot of rearranging and all of that. So I don't have the... It's not there. <laughs> one day it will, it will get there. And then it's, um, it's almost out of print. Do you still have copies here? Oh, we have a few. And the only reason why we still have some copies is because normally when I go around to people's uh, ministries and churches, I don't take it with me because it has a particular chapter that's had this habit of causing problems everywhere I go. So if you invite me to your church, I won't go and cause problems. I didn't used to take that's why because the book is old. Printed the one, this one we have now quite a number of years ago. In fact, the other one we did with it 
We did two books at the same time, which was um, How to Work for God and um, uh, That Grace to Prosper. They were released at the same time. Grace to Prosper instantly gave me problems. So Imam is very funny. They knew my opinion before, but once I put it in writing, they began to fight. I don't know why it's like that. Uh, there's nothing inside the book which I never shared. There's nothing inside the book which people who knew me did not know I believed and preached. All right? Anyway, so we still have a few physical copies. Please try and get a copy and read. For those who may be listening to this long after it's preached, you may now check on the website and it is already there. Because I don't think it will be off that place for much longer. Just for me to remember that we are supposed to work on that, I will, I will put it there. Actually, I want to, my plan was to revi- revise the book because it's quite old now, all right? That's one other reason why it's not there yet. I've not had time to reread through the book and rearrange some chapters. But I'll do that. But so what I'm just trying to say is that please try to get a copy of it and read. Some of the things I've been teaching will be found inside there. Many of the things inside there I didn't teach on them at all, at all, at all, at all. And I believe that um, it would be nice to put everything together. All right? Uh, no matter how much we teach in one particular series, it's not likely to be able to capture everything. And we have to keep on making learning a habit. So if you read that book, there's something I preached there, The Vow of Poverty, which is very interesting. There are two chapters in the book that are, they seem to conflict with one another on the titles. But of course, every coin has two sides. So I did that deliberately. One chapter is titled The Vow of Prosperity. All right? I try to encourage Christians to take the vow of prosperity. And then there is a vow of poverty, which I also say every Christian must take. And what I want to teach this evening is something along that line. That's not exactly what I'm teaching, but yeah, I think it's the same spirit, actually. All right? I just want to bring out something, talking about this power for wealth. All right? Now, maybe I should start again by reading from... Uh, there are two portions we read recently. Which one should I read first now? Okay, let's read what Paul wrote first of all to the Corinthians, uh, to the Philippians, sorry. Philippians chapter 2. Let's start with that one, Philippians chapter 2. Then we'll go back to what we read the last time in the book of Psalms. When it says, Restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. We'll read that one also. So for now, let's read Philippians chapter 2 and see what um, something that Paul said there. All right. From verse 14. He said, do all things without grumbling and disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God, above reproach, and the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Please notice these last two verses. I just read verses 17 and 18. Paul was describing for us something about the purpose and the satisfaction of believers. He said this was one thing he noticed about his life. 
when he was talking about being poured as a drink offering, he was talking about death, you know, walking in him, like he would say. He said, even though I appear like I'm suffering, even though I appear like I am not, outwardly speaking now, prospering, even though I appear like I am not enjoying life the way um, people think I should, even though you see that happening, he said, I rejoice as long as it is on the sacrifice and service of your faith. That is, I'm doing all of this to serve your faith. What's going to happen is that one day, I will see you in the day of Christ, he said in verse um, 16. He said, in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory. Because when I see you, I will recognize that I did not waste my life for nothing. Do you, you understand the principle there? I will understand that all everything I suffered, I suffered and it worked in your life and that your faith was built. He now said, have the same mind. The same thing he's been saying to them. You too, I urge you, have that same mind. Rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. My, uh, the point I really want is that one is a rejoice in the same way. Now, let me just read the other one before I pass the comment I want to pass. Because once I take off like this, I may end up not reading what I wanted to read. Let's quickly read that Psalm 126. Psalm 126, quickly. I will come back to this. For time's sake, I'll just go straight to verse um, 4. Oh no, let's read it again from verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we're like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. For that reason, we are glad. In said in verse 4, restore our captivity, O Lord. As the streams, I like to combine this with other translations because it brings out the sense. As the streams renew the desert. That's verse 4 combined. Now this was the answer of the Lord. Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Please notice that. The people were praying. Now, incidentally, I think I taught on this in the spiritual economic series. That was something we taught um, some time ago. And if you can get the series, it's available on our website. Just search it. We, have a, we can set the audio very, very easily. All right? Spiritual economics. If you search it, you'll find I, I taught extensively about this in that particular um, um, series. So please just go and get it. I explained it. That people are praying, restore our captivity. We're having a desert experience. Restore the way streams renew the desert. And God said, this is what I will do. I will pour water upon the seed that you sow. So sometimes what God wants is for you to sow the seed first before he pours the water. What we expect a lot of times is that we will, he will pour water first, and then we will see there's water, then we'll go and sow our seed. But God says you have to learn to sow your seed by faith. And please, I'd like to just say it again, because some people have not been listening to you hear things like this. They just quickly interpret in a particular way. In our modern Christianity, every time we hear seed, all we are hearing is what? Money, give an offering. Money is seed quite all right in that context, but what we keep on hearing is give an offering. So you say, I want to plant a seed. 
Alright, I don't want to get sidetracked into that now, but that's not what I'm talking about. A seed is anything that you are putting in, in fact, in this particular context, it's a material thing that is supposed to produce, alright, directly back for you. What I mean is this. If I'm paying school fees, it's a seed to obtain a certificate. Now, the concept of seed and um, uh, uh, harvest, the way we describe it in Christianity, you give an offering, then you receive something back, is actually not accurate. Or I don't want to teach about that now. All right? We have taken a little bit of truth and stretched it beyond where God intended. All right? But so when he was speaking about seed here, what he was saying is that you say the economy is bad. And I'm saying to you, you have prayed for the economy. All right? You have prayed that things will be all right. And I have granted it. But you will not see that until you get up and sow in that land. That's what I'm trying to explain. That is when you have invested your time, you have invested your money, you have invested your resources, that I see it as a sign of investment of your faith. That is a joke that you guys crack for me. The Lord is saying, when you pray for one country and invest in another. Do you get my point? When you say, Lord, bless this country, but I have to have my children abroad in case anything happens. I keep on telling people like that, stop wasting your breath. Stop wasting my time. Your prayer is not backed with faith. You must understand, except prayer is backed with faith, it's ineffective. It's ineffectual. Do you understand my point? And faith is not the way you stop only close your eyes and grip the, and you grit your teeth and say, I'm made of my mind, God is going to do it, I must do it. That's not what faith is. That's not what faith is. Do you understand my point? Yes. Faith, there's so many sides to faith. If we have to start explaining faith. Alright? Faith works by love as an example. Are you getting my point? If you say you have faith in, a, in God concerning something, he wants you to demonstrate your, the genuineness of your love towards that thing. And like I said, I've been saying recently, I said last time again this series, faith has risks. It is not as if I am so, look, it's a risk. We know in quotes we are taking a risk. It's just that that risk is we are risking on God, if I may use that expression. And we can never lose out. When we say we can never lose out, we believers must learn to interpret life spiritually. We must learn to interpret life beyond the natural. When I say we can never lose out, is even if we lose money, we can never lose out with faith. We have deposited something that is speaking in heaven. One day, if God allows us to look back at the actions we took, you'll be amazed. And that's what I want to teach about, right, as I'm going on. There are many things you will do you will never remember. You won't even know the importance of that which you did. But if God allows you in the day of Christ, like Paul was saying, to look back, you will see that your sacrifice was not in vain. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, for example, parents, mothers, you take time out, you could have gotten a better job, or I earn more money, but you sacrifice that so you can have two extra hours every day with your kids. You understand? Nobody's going to directly reward you back for that. It may not even immediately show in their grades. You must understand that next time you get to your needs, your voice will sound different in heaven. I hope you're getting my point. You can be there needing that I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, because I'm hearing something different. We don't understand what faith is. I tell Nigerians, if you will, your wife will be pregnant, you look for money, you understand? Go and have your children abroad so that they can have a better life abroad. Stop praying when we want to pray. Stop praying when we want to pray. Stop praying. There are times you have certain opportunities. You will give them up so you can pray. People don't understand how faith works. They think faith is oboju. I don't go agree. I don't go agree. I have said it to be the way I said it. God said, I hear what you said. But let me see what you are doing. And let me just tell you now, it's a risk. So, I'm, I know I'm saying, I keep on emphasizing that it's a risk. People die in the process. People die in the process. 
people die. And the, the other day, who, who was it? Was it you telling me that one woman said, doesn't like the way I preach? I'm not allowing Christians to prosper. I guess I better get away. When people know what they are saying and talking, report it to me. Not, 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 not that one. Because this is where I'm going. We have so locked. My message today, eh? I want Christians hmm, to stop living for themselves so that God can use them. All this rubbish seed and offering ties that we give. You know what God said? I am tired of your sacrifices. They smell in my nostrils. That's the prophetic word I just gave you. When I say prophetic word, I mean I'm repeating what God is saying now. I'm not just quoting scripture for you. Why? When they give, they are waiting for it to produce for them. I know I've said this one million times. Some of you are tired of hearing me say it. But you will hear it again. What I'm about to say now. It is idolatry. It is not Christ's way. It's not true spirituality. If I take an offering and I give it and say, Lord, this offering is for this. It's idolatry. It is the way we have Christianized bad things. You know the way the church baptized Winter Festival of Lights and called it Christmas? They baptized one heathen celebration and called it Easter. Just look for something to give people to do. To pretend as if they continue their old ways but claim they are doing it for Christ. That's why all these are tied so that the border will not protect you. Your problem is that you are still looking for protection. You don't want to lose your life. Can you see it? So the devourer will not get you. You are looking for, you know, self-preservation is uppermost in everything we want to do. So we start interpreting everything according to our natural inclination for self-preservation. The way I like to you know, illustrate it is, the day I went to preach, three days every evening I was teaching University of Benin. At the end, the last day, I was just trying to, what I'm doing again this evening, stop living for yourself alone. Try and live, you know, for things beyond you. I say you want a car, you want a car. Don't you know you are supposed to be a giver? I'm just understand that principle. At least you self get up, say, oh, I have given somebody a tire. Are you getting my point? That's, that's what I was trying to say. One young man came to me after I said, so you are saying if I need a car, I will give out a tire. <laughs> say, what? How could you have heard that in everything I said? He bowed and wanted to be sure he heard me right. That if I need a car, I will give out a tire. I want to tell everybody, gather, let us start again. Let us start again. But you know the problem? The desire for self-satisfaction, for acquisition, for material prosperity was so strong, no matter what I said, he had to interpret it in that light. And that's why we twist the scriptures every day. The brother gave me a book the other day, not too long ago. I started reading the book. I was enjoying it until I got to a particular chapter. And the authors of the book decided to lay the blame for the corruption of the church in Nigeria at the feet of the word of faith and particularly mentioned three people, but I'll mention two. I'll mention two because I listened to them, read them a lot, and I said, I said, I'm going to write the authors, that this is wrong. You cannot misinterpret a man like this and blame him for things that he did not do. 
He mentioned Kenneth Hagin, mentioned WKM. That they are the reasons why the church in Nigeria went astray into prosperity. I said, which Kenneth Hagin? Which Kenneth Hagin? Which one? Is it the same one I listened to? Is it the same one I bought and read all his books apart from the daily devotionals? Is it the same one that I have listened to literally for hundreds of hours? How did you learn covetousness from Kenneth Hagin? If you learned covetousness from Hagin, you are an evil person. You must be evil. That is the evil in your heart. It's strong. Because you know what I learned from Kenneth Hagin? That if I don't do the will of God for my life, I won't live longer. That was what I learned from him. What I learned from Kenneth Hagin is that prophets who lead the body of Christ astray, he takes them away. What did I learn from Kenneth Hagin? I learned that anything you want to ask God for must be based upon what he has promised. What did I learn from Kenneth Hagin? In fact, the same man went and wrote a book called The Midas Touch to tell everybody that this preaching they are preaching these days, he doesn't understand it. That the people have become covetous and worldly and they say they are walking by faith. That which kind of faith is this? Then somebody wrote a book and dedicated one whole massive chapter to blaming these teachings for the corruption in the church. I said, bah. I was in the book enjoying it until I got to that chapter. I said, you didn't listen to this man. Now, why, why am I talking about that? You know, you've heard me say this many times. That when, when, listen to this, that when the gospel of prosperity came, I've said it many times, what I'm about to say now, that prosperity gospel is easy to distort because it naturally appeals to the flesh. That's the reason. It's like the gospel of grace. It's very easy to distort. Why? It naturally appeals to the flesh. For example, a lot of stingy people, they don't like to give. They like to follow Pastor Bank. He says he does not believe in tithing. <laughs> do, do you follow my point? They are stingy. They are self-centered. They will never give anything to anybody. They come and hide behind me. And I keep on quoting the funny prophet for you. Fella Anikula Pokuti. Me and you know they the same category. We may look alike in some things. We are not in the same category. Just like the fella I just mentioned, Antunde Bakari, are not in the same category. Even though both of them you listen to what they say against government. Many times, they sound alike. Both of them were never afraid of authority. They were not ever afraid to speak against what is evil in the land, in their opinion. But are they in the same category? One man gets drunk with the spirit before he speaks. The other one gets high on the boat before he speaks. Powered by two different spirits. What I wanted to say? It's so easy to distort something like Grace. But do we now blame Paul for preaching grace? Did Peter not say to us that some of the things he said are hard to understand? That the unlearned, they rest and distort to their own destruction? Come on. When I read that chapter, I felt bad. What am I talking about it? The word of faith didn't teach anybody covetousness. But human beings who love covetousness they found that they could get anything they wanted. And of course, they grew up, became preachers, and amplified it. And be claiming, and be you know, re- referencing somebody who never said what they are now saying. What am I saying? See that gospel of prosperity? People with selfish minds went after it and twisted it for worldliness. 
So when you are teaching anything that appears like that, people just assume you are teaching worldliness. When I say, not as if they are fighting you, but they are happy to hear it. And before you know what's happening, carnal and worldly people squeeze themselves in the midst of the it so that motivational speaking, business planning, and prosperity teaching are now in the same section in bookshops, the same seminar in churches, everything the same. But it's a corruption of the truth. Again, let me emphasize it. You cannot blame the man who preached the truth first for the corruption thereof. It's been said before. When my wife was in business school, she said they did it one day in the practical class. The lecturer whispered something to one person. Say, tell the next person. So they went around about is it five or six people and back to him. By the time he got back to him, he couldn't recognize what he said. The man was trying to say something about business communications. Just to make a point, he did the experiment in class. So for people to distort things that are said, of course, it's very, very easy. It happens every time. Now, what am I going to say? This is where I'm going. What I am trying to teach, especially today again, is for Christians to forget. When you see the title of this series, Powerful Wealth, don't think I'm preaching how to become Dangote. There is no law like that. It's not in your Bible. I'm not teaching you how to become a state governor in Nigeria because you believe that they enjoy life. I'm not teaching you how to have a fleet of cars and how to have houses in every major developed city in, in the Western world and, uh, and the state capitals of Nigeria. That's not what I'm teaching at all. And why can't I teach that? Because before you were born, there was a calling over your life. And if you were not called to be a prophet, is it right for me to enroll you in the ministry of prophets? If you're not called to be a pastor, is it right for me to teach you how to pastor? No, think about it. Is, is, is it right? Is it right to gather the men and teach them how to be a mother? No, it wouldn't be right. In the same manner, many of the things we are calling wealth, wealth, prosperity, is a ministry. It's a ministry. God has given somebody his own job to do. Create jobs. Employ 50,000. Be effective in it. Give to the poor. Help the fatherless. Start this. Do a lot of, um, uh, what they call it, charity work. Support missions. Fund the broadcasting of the gospel. He speaks that word over somebody's life. He turns to another person. He says... You, you will be an inventor. There is nothing you are doing with a billion dollars. I will give you enough money to have the finest laboratory. The money will not be your own. You will live in houses you did not build. It did not mean the house will be your own. I don't know whether you're catching that. There will be a kind of Harvard University, just to use Harvard because we all know Harvard, built for you in Enugu. And you'll be the head of research and development. The university is not your own. The laboratory is not your own. But you will work there for 40 years. From the time you're 28. No, you work there for 60 years. What are we saying? One of the guys I admired the most those days, I was watching, waiting for the time he would turn 100. Charles Towns. 
The man just ran away when he was 99. I felt very bad because I was still reading his lecture he gave at the age of 98. He was a physicist, a Nobel laureate. And that's why I said you can be there for the next, but then listen. Because in that 60 years, listen, listen to this. This is for everybody. You will have what to eat. You will be taken care of. You will not, lack will not be your portion. Do you understand my point? But this idea of myself, I will be another Dangote. God said, I'm not in competition. I'm not in competition. Dangote is rich. I thank me for his life. It's God speaking now. <laughs> but myself, I've asked one. So if he wants to thank God for his life, he says, I thank me for his life. That's not so. Yes. <laughs> but for goodness sake, where did you hear he invented something? He would never win a Nobel Prize, ever. Not in science, not in chemistry, not in literature. And then, maybe I'll never give him in peace. Maybe not in economics. But I'm going to give somebody in chemistry who will have only one house. Who will not even employ anybody directly because he'll be a professor in a university. But when you, by the time he's 98, like Charles Towns was, you look back. 300 scientific publications. Two of his students won Nobel Prizes. Because that's how those guys do. God is saying, listen, everybody has an assignment. But because of worldliness, we all focus on one person's assignment. We see a man flying in a private jet. To us, it's a sign of wealth. To God, it's a sign of his going somewhere. I don't know whether you're getting my point. To God, he's going somewhere. You are not going to the same place. Why do you desire? Why should it be a prayer point? Why should it be a prayer point? And sometimes, just again, a digression. When people, not, when people want to start criticizing those who are going somewhere, it's one that makes me laugh the most. You see people who, their life, they were born in one. Went to secondary school in Okunano. Do you get my point? Then went to university. One in there too. UNEC. NYC, Anambra State. Then got a job in a Boeing state. You now say, where is the man? What is the man doing in a private jet? How can you know? <laughs> How can you know? There's no way you have been that Keke cannot reach. <laughs> How can you know? You know, you now see them talking on Twitter, talking everywhere. You believe Look at this human being. There's no way you have been to that you cannot take an Okada and get there in two hours. How will you understand why he might even enter the plane at all? That one makes me laugh. I say, stop expo- exposing your poverty background. Let's stop, stop embarrassing us. Very soon they will find out that we are brethren. Is it good for me? <laughs> it's true. And I say, Banky, I saw your brother talking on Twitter. I say, I beg, I know it's my brother. Must you say it loud? No, because sometimes people, people do it the other way around too. They see people who are fulfilling their ministry. They say, why should they fulfill their ministry? You know, when we were young those days, they used to say funny things to us like this. One of our brothers started ministry. They said, well, must everybody start a ministry? Why can't you join another ministry that already exists? You know, when I was young, I actually believed it. When I grew older, I realized a very, very ignorant statement. Very ignorant. But when people think that ministry is about 
Papaship. You know what they call papaship? I'm not a papa. I'm not an archbishop. That's when they start telling you things like that. If you heard those days, I don't know how many of you remember Ken Carter's. If you heard that there were 20 Ken Carter's type of ministry, we have ever complained? No, we have ever complained? If another man gets up to start something like that, will you say, go and join the one that's existing? You never complain over what? If you hear that there's one kingdom word, two ministries somewhere, will you complain? Someone like me, I'll even rejoice that more people are doing the work. But those who don't know anything about ministry, they say, must you start your own? Go and join one that's already going on. It's not good to be ignorantly criticizing things. It's not good. What am I going to say? So see people who are, they sit down sometimes, they are criticizing those who are doing their own mission. One day, my classmate and I were chatting. Somebody forwarded something. I said, stop telling lies. Have you heard this thing? Many times they forwarded this lie that Warren Buffett flies um, commercial. Have you heard that thing before? That Warren Buffett, you know Warren Buffett? That flies commercial airlines. And then I said, if he does, then he's a stupid man. But know the truth? It's a lie. Oh, it's a fat lie. The day that freeze guy said it, everybody wanted to tell him to say, well, get your information right. Don't just, okay, somebody wrote something and sent to our, my class chat group. The last time Bill Gates came to Nigeria, he and his wife came and they were, they flew third class. I said, if I find him, the economy, sorry, they said they flew economy. I said, me and my friend, I have one of my classmates is in Texas. He said, if we find him on tech, in, 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 in economic class, in Delta Airlines, we will personally punish him. We don't even wait for God to do that. that will something, you, you, are, you have dementia. They said, the place is getting somewhere at the same time. I said, you see, there was a time, Bill Gates, in one year, he was paid $4 billion in dividends. One day, was he Israel and uh, we sat down together in Kingdom World that time, calculated how much Warren Buffett earned in a particular year, and it came to about one point something million dollars an hour. I said, if, if such a man is flying economy class, you should know the witches finally caught up with him. Yeah, they finally caught up with him. There was a time to analyze how Bill Gates was earning that time. They said if you poured money on the floor, it was a waste of time for him to be picking it up. And we're talking $100 bills. That the man makes money faster than you can pick it up one by one. So if such a person is flying around in commercial flights, and then he's now sitting at the back, just know that the witches finally got hold of him. They're now choking him to death. I'm not here to analyze that in details. I just want to let you know that stop criticizing what you don't understand. Because if, you, if they say, we're sorry, which ha- I mean, it's happened to me a lot, this flight has been canceled or postponed for, now you are the call at such wicked times. <laughs> Israel, remember the one that happened to us in Kaduna? I was with Pastor Delva. We were inside church. So he said, ah, hey, Banky, you preach the first service. I said, okay, sir. I've never preached first service. He said, preach the second service. I said, no, sir. We have to hear you preach now. But bad day here. Oh, small boys, we just preach all the time. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit telling me, Banky, don't preach that second service. Because as he mounted the pulpit to start preaching, somebody passed me a note that our flight had been shifted closer. 
by like two hours where in Kaduna I was supposed to fly from Abuja. So we got up from the middle of a beautiful service. I still have a small video recorded from that service. We got up and started running. The guy driving us at the point that I said, bros, it's better to be late than to be delayed. Have you heard that before? That this, this, the guy was running. By the time we reached Abuja, we left our, half of our luggage in the car. There was no point. Because they were already counting the heads in the plane when we came in. As soon as we came in, they locked the door. It's okay, it's Pastor Bank. If you do that to some men, they count their, the value of their time in hours. That, sorry, that each, each hour is $1 million for some people. Even if it's $5,000, it's heavy. For people like me and Israel, we thank God for our lives. <laughs> Not in sport. <laughs> no, some people don't do that. Let me not mention this, we are preaching on air. One man of God, one day, they invited him to come and preach in that same Abuja. He tried to extricate himself from the engagement. He's, the big man in charge of the Abuja district said, no, sir, you can't. This person I invited you, he's such a good man. Please. Ha! So you know what he did? Took a private plane, landed in Abuja, the, the car was waiting beside the plane, phew, into the, into the car, straight to the church, preached, told the pilot, I'm coming back now. The pilot kept the engine running. Shoot! That is, two hours later or three hours later, he had been to Abuja, preached in the church service, and gone back to Lagos. And nobody knew he was gone. Somebody say amen. amen. Is that no good? Why are you pretending like it is evil? The day my mother understood that principle, they said, they said uh, Papa Adiboye was coming to Akure. She left her home, went, stayed there the whole day, hold up, did not let my arrive. That was the day my mother got converted. That the man should have just come in a private plane. Because he kept over, if he's, mean, if he's small, 50,000 people were waiting, and he disappointed them. So for my sister and my brother, Born in Owan, school in Okunan, Owan, NYC, Anambra, working a boy. You should understand that you don't understand. And I'm begging you to try and realize that it's some people's assignment. Don't criticize them. Don't be angry with them. Their time is that valuable. However, this is where I began from. That's, that's an aside. If that is not your ministry, stuff is not a, it's not a prayer point. There's a particular music, very nice music, but they put one bad boy to spoil it. Some guys know what I'm talking about. The man was singing, say, ah, God, though you don't bless us, now just private jet remain. I said, look, look at foolishness. Where are you going? What am I preaching? For us to understand that those are just tools of ministry. When I say ministry, now I don't mean of preaching. I mean of functioning in life. Everybody has a function. If your function in life, try and identify it. Please, this is what I'm preaching. Remove your eyes from what the world has glorified. When we are preaching power for wealth, maybe I should change it to power for productivity. Maybe I should. Everybody has his own productivity somewhere. Everybody. Have I been productive? Me, me personally. That's me, Banky speaking. I count it in a different way. Because my primary assignment is teaching the word of God. When I'm praying, 
like, you know, I imagine it, Lord. I imagine God asking me, what should I do for you? I'll tell him, Lord, this, it does not include give me a billion dollars. Because one day I told the Lord, don't try it. One billion dollars, you have a mad pastor. There's no point in pretending. I know what pressure can do to people. Pressure can make you mental. With a billion dollars that people know about, especially anybody that wants to greet you, you know what they are thinking? What are they looking for now? <laughs> and then after a few months, 95% will actually be looking for something. Then to remain sane, you cut off most people. Have you ever heard this before, that these rich people, they like to associate with themselves? Have you heard that thing before? And they say it with, with anger and derision. You don't blame them. They just want to be normal. They don't want to go to a place. Once they stand, somebody's telling them about school fees, somebody in hospital, house rent, you know, wahala. That is like, you want to greet your old friends. Nine out of ten people you talk to, they have a problem to tell you about. After a while, you won't go there again. You will appoint a problem solver assistant. So, what is it? Um, uh, you see, I don't know. The landlord talk to my guy. He said, I don't know what is wrong with Fred. You can't even talk to him again. Yeah, it's not his fault. The last 20 people that spoke to, 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 uh, with him, 18 had a problem like yours. You think he ain't no the fool? So next time they invite him for something in the village, he checks the invitation card, he throws it away. Why? The card is low quality. He said, the people are poor people. And you, you are angry, but you don't know what he's going through. They tell one of his boys in the office, go and represent me there. Give them 200,000 naira. So that will just get there. Aha, Augusta, I should greet you people. That is, I should give you this. Bam. He enters his motor and goes away. The people say that he's, you know, he has become proud. He has not become proud. He's trying to be seen. So that's why I told the Lord, one billion dollar things, please. Not me. Not now. I don't want a mad pastor. I want to be able to preach to normal people and relate normally with people. I hope you're getting my point. I want to feel what people around are feeling. I have to understand it. I'm telling the truth. That's our reason. There are desires people have. I don't know why they have such desires. Pastor Vanky, will you fly a private jet? Of course, in due season. Ah, if I tell you to let's go somewhere and I put you inside, you go wrong. <laughs> There's no need running now. I mean, we enter the place, we we'll go. <laughs> but we have to have a place we are going. That's the point I'm making. And at such times, God will supply, listen to this, all our needs according to his riches in glory. That's what we're saying. This wealth, many people are running after. It's somebody's ministry. They're not telling you the keys. Listen, no matter what I explain to you, if I saw a, 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 a TV program some time ago by a prophet. He had how to interpret visions, how to interpret dreams. And you send in your dream, they'll be practicing that. Okay, you saw a ship. And you saw water. You saw an iceberg. You saw people in the water. And you saw a plane on top. And they'll be analyzing, they'll be looking at them like this. And this man was teaching people how to interpret dreams. I felt like saying, sir, are you aware that the prophetic office is a calling? 
I don't know whether you're getting my point. And that God who calls people is not bound by one particular set of, you know, images and types. And if he has to reveal himself today, he may not use ship because he has aeroplane now. He has trains. You read your Bible, it's always sea and water. Can't you see why? That was the only way people transported themselves over great distances. And, and the man was, t- you know, they had classes on it. Too. I watched it a few times. I said, no, I feel like I read him say, sir, the prophetic office is a calling. You don't just instruct any believer into it. No. He gives some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. These ones, for the edifying of the saints, so all of them will be prepared for ministry. So and on that ministry, go and read Romans chapter 12. He has a long list of them. Why do you want to teach he that giveth how to interpret dreams and prophecies and visions? The man you saw inside the water, there's a reason why I told that story. You saw water, people inside the water, iceberg in front. He watched Titanic. There's nothing spiritual about it. He watched Titanic like three weeks before. And this night he's acting Titanic. He now comes and says, man of God, I want to interpret my dream. And you do that, you have gone to prophetic class interpretation. I say, you saw, you saw water, you saw ice, you saw this one. What the Lord is saying, the Lord is not saying anything. The Lord is saying, stop paying for cable TV. <laughs> That's what the Lord is saying. <laughs> the other day I was watching, the, no, was it a few days ago. I saw a short clip from uh, Costaris, Cosmos Maduka. He must say, does not pay anybody for the cable TV. Say, Lele. Say, I'm not, I'm not paying. That's all this one. He said, you know, they pay. His children complain, say, I'm not paying. Leave it, leave it like that. It's possible. It's possible. Just say, God said, switch off this and okay. But that's why you are dreaming dreams. Now, why I'm telling that story is because people don't understand sometimes. When you see, and that's what, that's what confuses a lot of people. They think, and you know, the Bible says, he himself does not know how. He himself does not know how. I keep on quoting that scripture. He said, the earth by itself produces. Now, what, what did he say? He said, the kingdom is like a man who sows seed. Let's just read it quickly. Mark chapter 4. I'd like to read that portion. I read it from the Amplified Bible. I'll get back to that um, Philippians where we began from. Verse 26. And it was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. He said the soil or earth produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Three things he can do. One, he can, he can sow his seed. Is it three, seven, or two? Because I don't know whether to say he can go to bed. Because that one, he should go to bed. And he can observe when the crop permits so that he can put in the sickle. That's the only thing he can do. If you read that from the Amplified Bible, I like the way Amplified says it. 
He said, it says like this. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed upon the ground. And then continues sleeping and rising night and day. While the seed sprouts and grows and increases, it does not know how. Is that continuous sleeping and rising? That's what I'm talking about it. The, you see, the mistake people make is that they won't, because they have experienced increase, they have harvested, they think they know how. And one of the things you will find, which is actually part of the thing I'm going to teach today, and then if you were not here, about three Tuesdays ago, I talked about um, how to live beyond your generation, or something like that. I forgot that title I gave to it, all right? Living beyond your generation, all right? Please listen to that message. It's very important. Because sometimes what you see here, and that's actually what I wanted to preach, that somebody sowed the seed, another pres- it can be that another person will be the one to bring in the harvest. And that's what I want to explain. That's why I read Paul. But let me quickly say this before I get into that particular explanation. Now, many times people come and make it seem as if they know how. I want to emphasize to you again today, they don't. They don't. There is no way Mark Zuckerberg could have predicted the explosion of Facebook. There's no way. There is no way. There is what they call time and chance happening to people. All you can learn as a Christian is the principle of faithfulness in your in two, two things. One, the area of your calling. Two, the assignments that God has given to you through interactions with life. I always say those two things. David did not have a calling as a shepherd, per se. It was the assignment of his father for his life. As a young boy in the house, he had to do what his father said. It was not a calling matter. But he was a sweet psalmist. He did not even know he was a prophet in the early days, I assume. But he honed his skill on the harp. Now, you must understand that when you're reading the Bible, be careful, read it between the lines. He had a reputation already for his skill in music. He had that reputation. That was why when Saul was sick, they sent for him. The Bible doesn't talk much about it. But check it well. He already had that reputation. How do we calm the madness of the king? Get a, a man who plays well on an instrument. Who do we get? There is this young boy. So they went and got David. So he was faithful in that, let's call down his calling. He found the gift of God in him. It wasn't something he tried to walk up. He found it in him, and he used it diligently. Even though, I assume, nobody was paying him to do it. I assume that he used the opportunity of being a shepherd. You must understand, being a shepherd was not exactly very, you know, once a sheep, once you lead them to a particular place. For example, now, if they are watering, they are drinking, you didn't have to do anything. You just sat down there and played. If you locate good pasture, you don't tell them, hey, eat this one, don't eat that one. No, you just leave them there. And if you know the way the um, Middle Eastern shepherds used to behave, they are not full of any herdsmen. Most of us are used to shepherds who have sticks and who beat the animal this way, this way. No. When they lead sheep, they sing. Go and check the pictures you see. 
All right? Unless it's drawn by an African who's confused. <laughs> if it's drawn by somebody from that side, the shepherd is always in front. The sheep will be behind. That's why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They follow. The shepherd in the Bible does not lead from the back. He doesn't run this way. Be this animal here. They run this way. Run all of you to the front. No. He stays in front. I've heard the story of a man who got to a, a watering area and three shepherds arrived at the same time to water their flock. And he got confused because the, all the sheep mingled. Who will know who owns what? It's not as if they had brands or marks. But the shepherds, they didn't seem bothered because they knew how it worked. When they were t- done with watering, the three shepherds walked away in three different directions and started singing. And my sheep know my voice. The ones that belong to each one recognize the voice of his own shepherd and went in that direction. They, they, they lead by voice. I'm not going to emphasize something. So is it David? I believe he had a lot of time. So faithfulness in two things. Number one, he was faithful in using that skill, this gift that God has given to him. Let me emphasize it again. Use that skill. Use that gift. Many of us have some that we can identify. Don't be quick to monetize. Recognize each opportunity to use it as a blessing. Went to preach somewhere one day. I stumbled into the, the, that is the latter part of the, of the session before mine. The young man was asking the question. He said, what if you know in this particular area you are the wizard, you are the guru, you are the sheikh, you are the professor. He gave himself a lot of titles. That whether you can charge more than other people. When I got up to speak, I answered this question even though they had dealt with it. It was not my session, but I had to talk. I said, number one, you are the one that thinks you are the guru. It's your personal opinion that you think you are the sheikh or the, the professor of this. Our people would describe themselves as an expert in something. I'm looking at them like, I couldn't tell them my mind. They think you are woeful. Our people better than you. But I said to him, I said, don't worry, that's your expertise. Now you think I'm. I told him. I said, you can only charge like that when demand compels it. You are the professor. You are the expert. There's no problem. The time will come if you are that good and everybody is rushing for you. You will find five people asking for you at the same time. Don't sit at home. Judge yourself as worthy of more than what they are paying the common people. As I told the young man that day. I hope you are getting my point. So people who have gifts, it's not as if, uh, what do you pay? I say, bros, play that harp at every opportunity. I don't know how much David was being paid, but one day, the king needed him and everybody remembered to call him. He was faithful in what his father gave him. The reason why he fought the lion and fought the bear was because of faithfulness to the sheep. That is all the Christian can do. God opens doors. You know, as me, my name is Ron Kenali. One of the greatest blessings in my life would not be how much money I have. Or whether I not drive a Lincoln in America where I live or have a very big house. One of my greatest blessings would be I'd come to Nigeria. I come to a church service. I didn't tell anybody that I was coming. And I heard the choir begin to sing. And they are singing, I will come into your presence, Lord. I hope you're getting my point. They don't know I'm there. Maybe they don't even recognize me. And I join them. Lift him up. You know, and they are doing praise worship in the church. I go to another church. You understand? 
They are singing, He's turned my morning into dancing again. You lifted my sorrows. They don't know I'm there. And I live around that church. Everywhere I hear one of my songs being played, you know, I'm, I'm, that's what Paul was saying. As long as it's on the sacrifice of your faith, with that one, I am satisfied. The greatest blessing for somebody who understands his, his or her calling is to see that that thing is affecting somebody's life. There is no, listen, oh God, that's what I came here to preach today. Let's forsake this worldliness that has taught us that a successful person looks more and more like Dangote on a daily basis. Not necessarily. There are people listening to this that God said, listen, I want to bring scientific inventions out of Africa. Take a job in a science university. And stay there. I will arrange for you to travel all over the world. Go for courses here. Do attachment there. Be a visiting lecturer here. Go for sabbatical here. But please, you are not a stock market trader. What you are doing doesn't make a lot of money. It's a matter of fact. And I'm not saying if you stay there long enough, one day you two will become a very rich man. I have not promised you that. It is not part of our negotiation at all. Maybe you not bless me with it later. No. The greatest gift I can give you is satisfaction in whatever I have given you. One day I saw our former minister for health in Nigeria. Professor Lukui Ramsonkuti. He was living on the same street as some of our friends. And I just went to their house that day. And I saw the man drive past in an old golf. And he was driving himself. Minister for health. That was one minister that started with Babangida and left with Babangida. Babangida used to change. Once you sneeze wrongly, he changes you. You can remove from being minister and you go on trial. You can be FCT minister. Then you plan a coup. He shoots you. This one was minister from the beginning. I was minister to the end. I, you know, I like to just throw in small gist. The day they, they made him minister, I thought it was a joke. Oh, there was no lobby. Oh, by the way, there was no lobby. He was in his house. His phone rang. And his wife picked the phone. And it, she, she dropped the phone. And said, my husband, the bank is on the line. So he went and picked the phone. And he assumed, you know, you have some notorious brothers. Like in my house, there's one little guy like that. His name is Victory. He's the one that is up to such tricks. Everybody knows him. So he assumed that Beko, who's his younger brother? You know, you know there are a number of brothers. Fela was his younger brother. Fela, the Fela we all know. Then Beko was his younger brother too. And they're all a family of, you know, funny people. So... <laughs> So once he heard Babangida is on the line, he just assumed it was Beko. That's because Babangida just took power. So he said, Beko has come again. So he picked the phone and said, mm-hmm, Babangida, what can I do for you? <laughs> that was how he answered. Very roughly like that. Eh? Babangida, what can I do for you? Babangida heard on the other line. I said, okay, I was wondering whether he could come around to the damn barracks. There's something I want to discuss with you. Ah, he looked at the phone. Hello? Who is this? The real, you know, the, the <laughs> that one said yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. He hung the phone. He went there. Babangida appointed the minister for health. This was a few years after that. I saw him on the street of Surulere driving the golf he had, I guess, before he was made minister for health. You know, this idea that um, 
Once I enter government, my life must change financially. It's satanic. It's satanic. That man, till he died, he was, I think, the most respected doctor Nigeria ever had that I know of. So one day they were having an enemy, you know, national something in Abuja. And he came in. He was not invited specially. Just, oh, enemies having something. He just got in there. They stopped the, uh, the proceedings. Everybody stood up to clap. Because he walked in. I saw him years, a few years after he stopped being minister for health. He was driving his old golf. Don't think he was complaining. I'm sure he was happy inside it. So this one that you cannot be happy inside something old, it's not like God hasn't blessed you. It is that you, are, you have a problem with satisfaction. And God would rather give that one to you first before you amend what you have outside. What am I saying? God says to each person, be faithful in what I have given you to do. And what am I preaching this evening? Don't think that what people have painted outside as a source of, as a mark of progress is what progresses. Paul said, learn something. And that's what, like I said, and I'm trying to connect. I've, I've not gotten to the, the meat of what I'm trying to say. I've not gotten there yet. All right? What I want to get, get believers to understand is that, aha, good. I've gotten the statement now to help me get into it. Our lives are seeds that must be planted. Oh, I think that's it. I just, I, I, I've made that statement. I cannot develop it, and I will have said what I wanted to say today. Our lives are seeds that must be planted. The, the seed must be nurtured. Then let God give it the increase that he wants. And then let God use it to bless the way he desires. What the world and Satan has done, which has hurt us very badly, is that we, we have been taught that our lives are so precious it should be guarded and protected. No. Jesus made it clear. These lives are what? Seeds. That must be what? It must be planted. And when I say planting, you know what it means? It dies in the process. It must be planted. There are two forms of death. There's total physical or dramatic death, but there's also death that is slow and progressive. What I mean by death that is slow and progressive is this. You see, Paul says something which... I like to quote a lot in, in that Colossians chapter 1. He said that, I have observed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's perfect, actually. But there is one thing that is lacking in that sacrifice. And what is that thing? The knowledge of it amongst those who he sacrificed himself for. So he said this is lacking in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The first thing I read that I was wondering, how can Jesus sacrifice and something is lacking in it? Is it did he, I mean, what, what kind of funny thinking is that? It doesn't make sense. So as far as I was concerned, there must be something I'm not reading correctly. It was later on and I understood what he was saying. If Jesus died for you and you are not aware of it, it's of no consequence in your life, practically. So, even though the death, the sacrifice of Jesus is perfect, the lack of knowledge on your part is lacking. Makes it lacking. So what, what was Paul doing? He will now go and fill in that lack. So that's why he'll go from one place to the other, saying that the sacrifice of Jesus must not be wasted. Do you understand that point here? So what he was doing all the time was to slowly deplete his life 
Why filling up that which Christ did not finish? Now, you understand what I said, did not finish now. I heard Elko tell the gist about it. I don't know where he read it from. He said, does not know what that really happened like that, but he read it somewhere that they said when Jesus arrived in heaven, they asked him, how did it go? And he said, everything went well. So the whole world is saved. He said, well, not exactly yet. He said, what is the remaining? He said, no, I left 12 people who would tell the story, basically spread the good news everywhere. And the angels asked him, what if they fail? And he turned to the angels and said, I have no other plan. Now, it's very critical for us to bear that in mind. So, redemption, blessing, like I said last time, which God has given, we will restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the desert. He said, who, those that do what? Sow in tears. So, God is saying like this, your life is a seed. You must sow it. And I said something earlier, there's no, now listen to what I'm saying, there's no guarantee that the person who sowed will be the one that will reap. Poor plants, Apollo's waters, God gives the increase. I don't know who that brings in the harvest. <laughs> I'm adding that one to it. No, really, I've said it to, you, to us here before. Those that we used to learn the principles of church growth, they said that there's no church that has grown in this world that did not go to South Korea for inspiration. So men did church growth principle. In fact, a lot of the big churches in Nigeria, I'm sorry to say, I'm not calling anybody's name. Is that anybody's name? Good. A lot of big churches in Nigeria are misguided because they are pursuing a position on international rating. I've been telling people who are making those mistakes. Some of them have been corrected, that they corrected themselves. They come to church and announce, we are now the fifth largest church in the world. We are now the seventh largest church, uh, fastest growing church in Africa. People announce it from pulpits. And I'll be like, excuse me, who said that? Jesus, his angels, or the world, and some demons? Even if they said so, how does it, what should it matter? Because you can be fastest because everybody is not going anywhere. You, you know that? If nobody is going anywhere, and you just manage to be going on two cylinders, you know, your car has six cylinders, four, 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 four are dead, only two firing. Have you been in a car like that? You, you blow past the first vehicle, the next motorcycle, the next, what do you call it, bicycle. After a while, you are the fastest traveler. You are not even going up to 5% of your capacity. Why? Everybody you are running against, they are not going anywhere. And some of them, their cars are good, though, but they are not going anywhere. This is their village. They're just coming from church. They are going to their home, which is like 300 meters away. Now, you are the one that knows what is pushing you all the way from Enugu to Lagos. <laughs> you now go and say, I'm the fastest growing. You know, those people used to tell us about um, church growth, which church is growing fastest, which one is growing biggest. And you know, many pastors bought into it. I was delivered long ago. Those early days, me too, I... I I wasn't planning to be a pastor like that, but I respected those things. Now I have no, I have absolutely no respect, no regard for it. A man like, what's the name of that uh, Chinese American? Is it something Chang? What's his name now? Francis Chan, yes. Francis Chan built what they call an American mega church. And then one day he resigned, said, I'm not doing it again. Why? He said, These people have turned me to a celebrity. I come to perform on Sundays. He said, This is not church. And he walked out. 
He said, no, I don't believe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. He resigned and left the church. But there was a time it was made, you know, the, the, we kept it up there. Everybody was looking towards it. And it caused a lot of confusion. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going, all right? Why? Because of South Korea. They said, <laughs> now, with all the things people have practiced, there's no church outside South Korea that, that I'm aware of. Please, if you know any, in one congregation that they've been able to build up to a hundred, okay, let's say 200,000 people in one congregation after all those years. Um, Young Cho did it up to a million. People practice his practice. They did home cell, home tissue, ho- home nucleus. Did they refuse to grow? The thing refused to grow. God was just telling us, listen, guys, that's not the way. Now, what I'm telling the story is that, do you know why? I don't have time to go into in further details. But the truth was that Yongicho did not plant. He did not water. He was sent in to do what? To harvest. Other men labored. He entered into their labor. Do you get what I'm saying? So what happened was that some people who, they are from places where nobody has labored. Nobody has planted anything. They are the planters. So they want to plant, quickly water, and quickly harvest, and have a million people in the church. God said, if you like, use all kinds of methods. At the end of the day, you have a million goats, no sheep. So, you know, of course, you know what we'll now do now? We'll now do uh, sh- church started doing shows. You know, shows can draw people. I don't want to fool ourselves. We'll count our church membership on the day of the major show. Now I say, ministry, Apororo. Apostle. You know, that, that was when comedians became hits, even in Christian circles. Comedians now tired here, of course. <laughs> of course, you know, we are, not, we are not healing the sick, we are not raising the dead, we are not doing anything, opening blind, we are not doing anything like that. Something has to draw the people now. So if serious Christianity cannot draw people, what do we do? We look for something, just look for something. Fashion show, you know, medical outreach, food outreach, anything, anything, just gather people. Then when the young people will not come for medical outreach, they won't come for a food outreach. What do they come for? A fashion show and your comedy. comedy. So, so um, comedians, some people get sense. They've not given their life to Christ, but they, they carve a niche for themselves in Christian circles. Because Christians have shows eh? every Sunday. One of our brothers, their former pastor, left. He was telling me and he was laughing. He said, decided to do a show every Sunday. So people will not follow the man that left. So they will stay behind Yes. Why? Because we do not realize that the man we are trying to copy, he did not have to do all those labors in one generation. He is not more successful than the men that planted. That's what I'm going to emphasize. And we have to realize that sometimes that's how our lives will be. Many times, some of the things we are believing God for around us will not be done in our lifetime. But God said, if you don't do your part, it will never be done at all. I hope you are getting my point. You know, those who don't have understanding, many of us are like that. We want to compare, let's say, let's say, let's preach Nigeria a bit, all right? Because Nigeria is significant for a number of reasons. Well, the most important reason is that God has a specific assignment for creating that geographical entity. And he's going to fulfill it, I believe, in Jesus' name. How long will it take him to fulfill it depends on you and me. 
He has no other plan. Did you hear what I said? Let me say that again. How long it will take him to fulfill it depends on you and me. He has no other plan. He has no other plan. You can run away to go away. You'll be comfortable. That's your problem. He will wait for another generation to come. And then he will keep on waiting. He, he, he doesn't get tired. Are you getting my point? Yeah, he'll just keep on waiting. As long as not just one life, you wipe away one, bring another generation. Eventually, you will get enough people who will, listen to this, plant their lives as seeds so that even if in their generation does not accomplish something, at least in the next he would. Like, like I said, let's preach Nigeria soon, all right? He has a purpose. And secondly, I believe, we're part of his purpose. I believe that, you know, God has a calling for each race that you know. You know that? There's a part of God's righteousness that each one must demonstrate. There is. There is a part of God's righteousness that each race that you are aware of must demonstrate. The Chinese, you know, of course, the, the, the white people, and then, of course, we're talking Nigeria now, the Africans. And amongst the black Africans, right, I believe that God, now this is my own conviction, you can disagree with it if you have better information, but I don't think you do, so better agree with me. <laughs> I believe that God took that entity in Nigeria as a, the core, you know, the focus for the black, black race. And if you see it, if you look around Africa, they generally, black Africa, they generally look towards Nigeria. So I, I believe that there's a serious senior brother, or let me say first son spirit, that's around the country. Yeah, I think I'll use that expression. That first son spirit is around the country. But it's not manifest until enough people understand that they should be planting their lives as what? As seeds. What the world keeps on doing is trying to make it look as if our lives are meant to be guarded, protected, kept. Meanwhile, Jesus said, anyone who does that, what happens? We lose it. Anyone who does it, we lose it. You're getting my point. Listen, being a Christian, let me tell you the truth. Forget this gospel of uh, food and drink. That's not the gospel of. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of sacrifice. It's a gospel in which a woman sacrifices her life for her children. They say, yeah, you too, you could have become this, become that, become that. Say, I know. So why didn't you? I have five children. Somebody has to take care of them. One day somebody went to Yabom Uban, I know. Say her children speak pidgin, they can't speak pure English. The woman is a gynecologist, the husband is a lawyer, the children speak pidgin. They were wrapping pidgin because morning till night they neither see father nor mother. But that mother comes back, they are asleep. So the nanny they hired from somewhere who couldn't speak English was the one teaching them how to speak. Not even with children. Taking care of them doesn't earn you money. Very annoying. They can't pay. They live be old. They want to go out with you. They say, can I take that 200 naira? The person I'm talking about knows himself. I'm not saying he's sitting at the back. That's he's sitting at the back. This is the person that, you know, the mama no go grisly. But I remember one day he was crying. He cried, 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 cried until the mother started crying. So I collected him from the mother and lay hands on her so that she can stop crying. <laughs> I'm not joking, no. 
The Bobo cried and cried. The mother had done everything. Then she passed his leg. <laughs> so I created him for it. I was petting him. And I lived my hands. In the name of Jesus, receive peace. <laughs> then he grew up. And he's still collecting my 200 naira. That's the point I'm going to. <laughs> Instead of paying his mother. By the time he has money to pay later, the mother will have more money. Are you see what I'm trying to say? Taking care of them, it doesn't really pay like that. So people want the ones that pay. But sometimes in life, we deliberately sacrifice things. Because we need to plant certain seeds into the earth. That's what I'm making. That's what I'm preaching this evening. For us to understand that our lives are supposed to be seeds. When I talk about power for wealth, like I said, I should have changed it to power for productivity. Because sometimes you are going to take jobs in places that really doesn't have that brilliant, you know, thing people are talking about, prospect, thank you. But God said, well, you know the one asking for us to change the nation? How are we going to change? You think we want you to go to Lekito Gate again? You think that's where it changes? Okay. Go. Go now. I'm sorry, people, they think I'm against answers. I, I, I'm against stupidity. I think before answer, we start with end stupidity. I think so. I think the first campaign is end stupidity. We have a lot of stupid people campaigning that we should end something more, pre, more important than their, their lives. That is, the way they are living right now, they are short one, short two, short three. It's easy to campaign. Like I said the other time, when we finish out the answer, answer, I said, don't worry. We will pray. Nigerian police will start recruiting. All those who are trying to end this, end it, they won't go near there. They won't go near. All those who are shouting state police, state police, nobody expect vigilantes to be deputized. Yes, when we are, of course, we will get state police. Now, I don't know why I just said that, but I believe we will do that because, yeah, my reason is because and I'm, I'm, you know, if you know, when I'm preaching, I don't do much political talking, okay? Inside my messages, I try not to. But why I say that is just a reasonable thing. I think the federal government will realize it that the country is too big to be policed from the center. It's just too big. It's all the local boys who can do the local policing, okay? But the point I'm making is that we shout out that one. But when we get there, many people will not, state police, they will not agree to join. So God will say, you said to me, restore our captivity. And I said to you, he that sows in tears. Better go and sow, sow in tears. Will you be rich if you join? No, because you won't take bribes. I'm not deceiving you. I'm telling you the truth. It is an evil gospel we have preached. That's if when you do what is right, then one day God will just blow, just buy five houses in independence layout as a sign of God's faithfulness. Many people trust God, believe him, obey him, and then die. You know why? Because God has left their satisfaction for what Paul called the day of Christ. But you know what we want? Now. Now. The Bible says now faith is. It's not tomorrow. Faith is today. It's not true. They're not like now faith is. They say, the Bible says faith is. Faith is. It means that is is what? Present tense. It's not faith was. Faith will be. I said, define monkey. Isn't that what monkey is? <laughs> is that not so? Why would not making it look like faith is means that I must get it now? You know, 
I look at some things we believe. This, I said, I apologize to God. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Now my boss, now so they teach us. We are sorry. Say, faith is, means that faith is now. I said, eh. There's nothing you want to define. He said, we are speaking in any language. Faith is, I want to define it for you. What I'm trying to say, many of the things we are believing God for, listen, forget it. They don't come in one generation. They don't. One generation will sow the seed. You know the truth? See this country that even <laughs> if America opens its door, you know the country that hates America most in the world today? Which country? Let's vote on it. Somebody said China. Forget, not China. Iran. Thank you very much. I think it's Iran too. But without that noise, forget that, you know. If, you, if America opens its door today, half of Iranians will go. In fact, they are always going. Listen, this America everybody wants to go to. That's how I'm talking about it. Even those who claim, you know what they call America in a place like Iran and the law of the Islamic world? You know what they call them? The great Satan. Let me assure you, even the children of the big boys, they want to go. What makes the country so desirable? Even though we understand there was a plan of God, the purpose of God, but to even achieve his purpose, God planted seeds. The first pilgrims that arrived over the next one year, most of them died. They died of simple things like cold and hunger. The ones that survived celebrated what they call the Thanksgiving Day. They were not angry. They just thanked God that they survived. Many of them that will go to go and conquer new territories will die on the way. <laughs> oh, you think the country grew out of nothing? <laughs> the people planted blood. They planted human lives. Their own lives. I don't mean they go and sacrifice their neighbor's son. I mean themselves. They will believe in a cause and die in the pursuit of it. Of it. That's why you hear people like, give me liberty or give me death. You've heard that expression before? That's the kind of spirit they had. When, they, when Britain wanted to levy some taxes on them, the man said, give me liberty or give me death. They rose up to fight the greatest navy in the world that time. That's um, Great Britain. They said, give me liberty or give me death. That is, this war will end when we are all dead or we have won it. That's what, that's what they understood. <laughs> the way those guys planted seeds, there are other things I don't want to say now, you know, for time's sake. I'm convinced those are the reasons that God, of course, it's not one generation. Many of the people that labored in one generation did not enjoy the fruit of their labor. We tend to write, look, most of these books we read, they are not, they don't tell the truth. They don't. They lie. They lie. They lie. They will tell you this man did this, did this, and became the richest man there. But you know, there's what, have you ever heard this thing before? Um, is it zero to one? Or let me tell you what they call me by zero to one, and then one to hundred. Now, when people want to, you know, describe China, all right? They say China is not very good with zero to one, but they're very good with one to hundred. That they will not. This is the allegation. Because I'm preaching, I can't tell you whether I believe it or I don't believe it. All right? Okay? But let me just give you the allegation, right? That out of nothing, 
the Western world, places like the United States, they create things. The thing did not exist before. They will invent it from nothing and produce it. Then after they produce it, China will steal it and make a hundred of it. So that's, that's what they call zero to one. That from that zero to one, that is where the work is. Now, this is where I'm going. Many of the books that are written, they're actually written, spiritually speaking now, on one to hundred. They're not written on zero to one. That's what I'm saying. You see, because this zero to one, one to hundred thing we're talking about, most of the time, the, the, the fight, the spiritual labor, you know, let me use the expression, the soul labor, the life, the planting of the life labor that took it from zero to one. Nobody ever connects it. But the man that took it from one to a hundred, we write a story about his life. How he's a great entrepreneur. The man had focus. He used to rise up early in the morning. He used to, fo- he was dogged, he was determined, he perspired to acquire the desire he admired. <laughs> And he never retired, but continually refired. <laughs> Are you here for the first time? That's where we quote it now. God said, let me tell you the truth. I have 5,000 more who have perspired in trying to acquire the desire that they admired, but they were entired. You know what they call entired? Bury them. Nothing, nothing came out of it. Why? Because there was no foundation. I read a book many years ago. When it was a passport, passport. <laughs> I said, I went after I read that book. The name, last name was Bernard Trevison. He spent his whole life trying to change base metals to gold. And when he was about to die, he said he has found that there's only one way to make gold, get gold. <laughs> he perspired. Oh, bros perspired. He said, to get gold, you have to start with gold. He did that for more than 40 years. He died at the age of 75, thereabout. Since he was in his 30s, he had been trying to change iron rod, lead, things like that, using all kinds of concussions and method, traveling all over the world. Finally, he said, to get gold, you have to start with gold. What am I going to say? So when you read some of those stories, you know the truth? Somebody paid the price. For the zero to one. And what am I preaching to you today? Get ready. God says sometimes you'll be the one to pay the price. But you know the truth? Human beings won't give you glory. Because they won't even understand. They won't understand. And that's in this life. Eh? Don't do anything for human beings. Oh, so that they will you know to get glory from them. Don't. Don't. Just do it because it is the right thing to do. Not to do it so that they can give you glory. Paul put our eyes somewhere. Paul said, this is where I'm looking at it. He said, the time I am going to get my, in quote, glory, is which time? That's Philippians chapter what? Two, yes. Yeah, he said in that verse um, 16, he said, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory, because I did not, I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. That the day of my glory is the day of Christ. Not now. Not with human beings. Paul set our eyes, they tried to help us focus our eyes on something. That the day of our glory is the day of Christ. He said, you too, I urge you, that's verse 18. 
Rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Rejoice in the same way. Not rejoice in the way of the world. Recognize that it's possible to labor in your lifetime. The real reward, the real fruit of that labor will not be in your lifetime. But without that labor, the next generation will not see it. The next generation will not see the thing that you are desiring and praying for. I preached on that Tuesday. That's about three meetings ago now. I said, learn to think beyond your generation. It's very, very important. It's very important. What am I saying? Let me summarize it. Whatever we are doing, please, let's remove our eyes from the way the world reasons. When you talk about wealth, they are thinking about get money for me. Please, I did not preach that message to anybody. No. What I'm preaching is productivity. It's making sure that your life, the seed of God inside you, all right, is planted. It's making sure that your life every day is being planted as a seed. For you to recognize that you are an instrument of change. Don't think that there is something some people know. That is why they are physically speaking so well to do. It's not like that. Kingdoms are given. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, they are given. They are given. I heard a story this man told uh, from, what's the name of this blind musician? Turned 70 the other day. Stevie Wonder. Wonder. Stevie Wonder said, the program was titled, um, this six, 20 feet from stardom. Yeah, 20 feet from stardom. And he was explaining something that it's as if he was talking about people who become, you know, stars in music and all of that. That he doesn't understand it. Why some people make it and some don't, there's no explanation. It's as if somebody just gives it to them. And why did they say 20 feet? They were talking because the lead, the, the, the main person performing, name one common guy for us now. One of our popular ones in Nigeria. Flavor, and he gave me another one. I had two baba, I had, thank you. And uh, these two boys, Whiskey and Davido, thank you. Now, those are the stars, they are in front. So one of them is performing. You know, they always have backup singers. So most times, those backup singers are as good. They're, they're as good as them. But there's one man, I won't mention his name. I saw him once, he was, you know, all these talent shows that they do. I kept on asking, who is that guy? He told me his name. I said, I don't know any of his songs. They sang one for me. I said, so what qualifies him to be a, a judge? And in my mind, I just shook my head. That this man said it is just a gift. He was given. Why they gave it to him, I don't know. But that's how it is. These things are given. Some of these people that have been given, they will now come and write books on how to Take it. <laughs> Forgetting that they don't even know where it is. How can you take what you don't know where it is? Somebody just gave it to them. That's a misguided thing that's happened to the church. So we focus our eyes on certain things. And people oftentimes neglect the assignment of God for their lives. Because God actually has an assignment for everybody. And he has not called everybody to be another Dangote. He hasn't. If you like sow the seed, you want to clear your account. Plant first seed. No, first fruit. Second fruit. Value added seed. Tithe and offering. Do everything. I saw some people talking the other day. They said, can I, sow, can I tithe and sow seed and still be poor? The other man said, yes. Because what the tithe, you know, people can say what appears right, but their, their explanation will just be upside down. That what the tithe and the seed gives you is a blessing. You will not get the principles of Christ 
to not produce wealth. I just said, bros, keep quiet. <laughs> bros, keep quiet. What nonsense. Not make it look like those who are rich, they know how to do it. How did Jabez become rich? He prayed. Simple prayer. No seed. And just by the way, in everything you are doing in life, pray like Jabez. I give an example of a scientist. Pray like Jabez as a scientist. I mean, I've heard the testimony of um, George Washington Carver. He used to pray, and God will show him things. That's why I want you to understand that. If you're a businessman, pray like Jabez. Pray like Jabez. God can tell you like, like, um, like the, uh, what's his name? Joseph. What will happen in the next seven years? And what will happen in the seven years after that? And if God shows that to a prophet, he will not tell the prophet Elijah, uh, build a barn and be storing grain for seven years. He said, go to the brook of cherries and sit down there. I will get ravens to feed you. And then they wanted the brook would dry up so that they, not because God couldn't keep the brook flowing, but because he wanted a, a widow somewhere saved. I will tell you, get up, go to Zarephath. So the life of Elijah, very different from the life of Joseph. Joseph, God said to Joseph, prepare for it. Build big barns. I want you to have under, uh, underground systems. This is how you store water. Enough water to keep the generations going. But for Elijah, I said, no, don't bother with that. Don't bother with that. What am I saying? Everybody realize it. God gave you a purpose in this life. So in the, if you understand that, within that, pray for the expansion of your horizon. Pray like Jabez that God will bless you indeed. Please wipe this worldly wealth thing off your eyes, off your mind. If God needs you to fly a private jet, he won't buy one for you, he'll make one for you. He will. You know he can do that. He can. You may be living right now in a, in, in a place where there's no airport within three, three hours drive. And he said, I don't want to leave there. Don't worry, they'll build one. They'll build one in this town next to yours over the next eight years. Don't worry about it. Why? Because when the time comes, I want you to have a place from which you'll be taken off and landing. Because that's the assignment I have given you. But he said, don't, don't make, don't make, there are prayer points I don't, I don't even ask about such things. But every day, what do you do? Make sure your life is being poured out as a drink offering on the service of something. That's the point I'm making. In the service of something. In this our country, many people will join politics. Before they start, they know say Oliku Kuti and driving experience is my portion. You know the story I told you earlier? The man that was minister for almost ten years. Afterwards was driving the golf he had before he became minister. And you know he wasn't trying to impress me. He didn't know I would be preaching twenty years later. Because that was yeah, that was about twenty years ago. He didn't know I'll be preaching twenty years later. And we re- making reference to it. He didn't know that. Yeah, that thing happened like, yes, 18, 18 to 20 years ago. He didn't know that. He was just living his life. He was just living his life. The man with his golf used to travel all over the world. So don't think that once you have your golf, you're not staying soon later, you don't go anywhere again. That's not the point I'm making. I'm just saying a man can be satisfied in what appears outward as little. I hope you've gotten my point. May the Lord expand the rest into the hearts of everybody that's listening. Amen. All right, let's bow down here to pray. All right, each person begin to respond to that word that came forth as the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. Let's continue to pray. And the prayer is, Lord, help me to stay in the place that you have 
ordained me to be. Help me to focus on my assignments. Let's pray that prayer. Help me to focus on my assignment. You are important to what God is doing. You are very, very important. The Bible said, Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Somebody has to plant, another person has to water. And God was just waiting to pour forth his blessing upon what has been planted and watered. So let's pray and say, Lord, help me to stay in that place of my assignments. Help me to stay there. Uh, you know, like Paul said to Timothy, in season and out of season, preach. Do the work of ministry. Pray. Pray for yourself that you will indeed stay in that place. Maybe you pray this prayer finally and say, Lord, bless me like Jabez prayed. Say, Lord, bless me. Let your blessing be made manifest in my life.